a decent idea with great execution is a lot better than a fantastic idea with poor execution. And that's actually one of the reasons why we did create Unicorn, to lend a helping hand, a full ecosystem that supports burgeoning startup entrepreneurs with great ideas and help them become successful. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi and welcome to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. I'm your host and I'd like to say thank you for supporting the show. I've been reading your feedback. It's warm, it's wonderful, it's inspiring and it's making all of the difference knowing that the show is making a difference for you. Now, if you're a startup and you're looking to choose the right business model for your business, this call is going to be for you because I'm on the line with the wonderful Dom Einhorn. Welcome to the show, Dom. Thanks for having me, Rick. It's absolutely my pleasure. Now, uh, Dom, I mentioned earlier that I've been going through your bio and uh, we're going to take, obviously, a deep dive into um, into Unicorn and what you actually do because there's a lot to do with, uh, you know, startups and choosing the right model and investing. And this is not a topic that we've had too much of on the My Future Business Show. So I'm really looking forward to it. So again, thank you for joining me. Now, um, before we get into, I guess, the meat and the gravy of the, of the call, Dom, what i like to do is learn a little bit more about you. Now, a good place to start, I think, is to ask you where you're located. I'm calling in from the southwest of France, a small town by the name of Sarla, that's S-A-R-L-A-T, which is located halfway between Bordeaux on the coast and Toulouse in the south. We're east of Bordeaux and north of Toulouse. What would be one of the major uh, landmarks near there that people might recognize? I would like to say it's Sala itself, which is the seventh most visited town in France. Uh, attracts uh, over two million visitors every single year. Uh, wonderful medieval town. But probably the most prominent uh, landmark would be the vineyards of Bordeaux, which are just uh, two hours west of us. Do you enjoy wine at all? Do you like a, a drop now uh, It's then? hard to be in the southwest of France without enjoying it. And <laughs> if, 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 you do, if you don't enjoy it yet, you'll probably quickly take a liking to it. <laughs> so in terms of recreation, Dom, do you get into uh, anything in your pastime? What, what do you like to do with yourself? So, you know, my, my work is my hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do work uh, upwards of uh, 100 hours a week. But uh, I don't expect anybody else, everybody else to do the same thing I do. So, for example, the startups and the employees at Unicorn, the reason why they love it here is because you have pristine rivers, waterfalls, uh, you have grottos. So you have the Grotto of Lasco, that's L-A-S-C-A-U-X, which is 15 minutes away from Sala which is one of the first uh, prehistoric settlements in the world. But it's just absolutely sheer natural beauty. Everything is lush. Everything is green, rock climbing, uh, VTT, mountain biking, et cetera, et cetera. So beautiful place to be. It would be a wonderful place to be inspired. You know, they often say nature has an impact on the way we design things. I wonder, you know, do you get your best thoughts in reflection whilst you're walking around that wonderful environment? There's no question whatsoever. So I'm a big fan of what the Japanese call Shinrin-yoku, mm-hmm. uh, which translated literally means forced bath, forced bathing. 
Uh, it's something, it's a term I became familiar with, I'd say, seven or eight years ago. And uh, I guess all of us, when we actually take a leisurely walk through the forest, we realize that we just feel better. Yeah. But uh, the Japanese actually turned that into a science and have been measuring the, uh, the effects, the, the dramatic impacts on, uh, on health by being uh, inside a forest and actually touching the trees. And they're usually actually using it as a therapy in a clinical environment. It's not surprising, is it? No, I know that uh, you're a big fan of rugby. I again, it's almost like wine in the southwest, right? So usually they go hand, they go hand in hand too, right? So if you go ever go to a, a southwestern French rugby rugby game, the the third half is always the longest, and there's a lot of uh, red wine during that time. Uh, but knowing that I'm speaking to an Aussie, uh, you're doing pretty well at rugby as well. Oh yes, we love our rugby over here. That's for sure and certain. Now, uh, let's go back a few years, only a few. What did you like to do with yourself when you were growing up as a kid? What was the thing you enjoyed the most? I was an avid reader uh, at a very early age, a voracious reader. Uh, I started, uh, I had a maternal grandmother that was my mentor. Uh, she, in many ways, you know, taught me how to read uh, very early in multiple languages because at a dinner table we would routinely speak four different languages, oh, addressing. Wow. Addressing each family member in a different language on the same topic, so it helped to multitask later on in life, because <laughs> you got to keep one thought going while you're actually talking to someone else in a different language, and then wondering why you're dreaming in a language that you don't, you don't even know. It's, <laughs> it gets confusing at times. I can imagine. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was definitely an avid reader, and uh, my early readings uh, was a big fan of uh, Jules Verne, uh, English, usually pronounced Jules Verne. Oh, yes. uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Under Sea, the, the sea. Voyage is the Center of the... Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that, I guess, as an entrepreneur, taught me very early on that you need to have vision, uh, stick with that vision. And for me, Jules Verne was probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest visionary uh, that has ever walked the Earth. So he predicted uh, space rockets uh, way before Tesla, way before oh, yeah. NASA. Yeah. Uh, obviously, submarines uh, as just a pure concept way before anybody had ever imagined anything of the sort. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, nanotechnology, having robots that actually go inside your body to, de to detect things. I'm we're talking 150 years ago, right? Yes. So, you know, it, and, and, and with a lot of precision as to what, how it actually would work with some sketches as to what these uh, devices would look like. So, for me, that was... Uh, very impressive uh, at, a, at an early age, and uh, gave me a lot of vision. That if you stick with uh, with that vision, eventually you can make it turn it into reality. Which, as a startup entrepreneur, is what you're looking to do. Yeah, that's some sage advice there, and uh, I love to wind back into those early formative formative years because clearly there's linkage between the way you start thinking about the world around you and what you can influence as you grow um, through your years. Now, I, I guess that's a good segue to ask you um, how it was that it came about that you got involved with startups and investment. Huh. I would say I was definitely a startup entrepreneur way before I became an investor. And mm -hmm. one led to the other. So in uh, March of 1993, I moved away from France to the U.S. because I wanted to become a startup entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That was the reason why I left. Uh, I had uh, my previous years, I was a semi-professional athlete, and I had a strength coach in Las Vegas who invited me to stay with him for two weeks and uh, came back eight years later, first time to back to France.
I, I wonder, in the list of things that I really wanted to talk with you about tonight, Dom, is um, some of the different business models. You've touched on digital marketing before it's uh, fashionable. I'm wondering, what are the different business models out there when somebody's considering starting a business and they have no idea uh, what they're up against? Well, should they go wow. in this, into this with, a, with an idea first? Yeah, so obviously everything starts with an idea. You're absolutely right. But I think that at the end of the day, ideas are very often overvalued over execution. What I mean by that is that uh, in my experience and in most startup entrepreneurs' business as well as angel investors, it turns out that a decent idea with great execution is a lot better than the fantastic idea with poor execution. Mm -hmm. You know, ideas are a dime a dozen. Uh, I'm not saying that one idea is bad versus another is good, but we do see an overwhelming amount of ideas popping up every single day. But the ability to execute upon that promise is really what separates the wheat from the chaff. And that's actually one of the reasons why we did create Unicorn. The idea being to lend a helping hand, a full ecosystem that supports burgeoning startup entrepreneurs with great ideas and an initial proof of concept mm -hmm. and help them become successful. I just want to jump back if we could. As a semi-professional um, athlete, um, a sports person, were there any, are there any parallels between running a business and the things that you learned as a sports person? Do you think? No question. No question. And I think uh, you as a rugby fan, you will know that uh, first and foremost. The ability of uh, taking hits, getting knocked down, and being able to get back up is probably so resilience, grit, discipline, without a doubt. Uh, you see a lot of former athletes that make great entrepreneurs. You need to have a good balance, obviously, between uh, IQ and EQ, so mm -hmm. emotional quotient versus intellectual quotient. And there, too, uh, obviously, grit and resilience is not measured on the scale of EQ, but on IQ, on, uh, on IQ, but on EQ. And that is very much part of the DNA of what makes an entrepreneur. Thank you. I, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, there's so many questions that I have for you. This can be a great call. I, I'm, I'm wondering, what is it that stands out about startups that you love the most? Is it the process or is it the people behind the new startups, do you think? I, th I think it's the excitement and the belief that every challenge that we face as humankind is very rarely solved by central governments and bureaucracy. And in most all cases, they are being solved by creative entrepreneurs who set their life, risk everything in order to actually make it happen. I think that's the most exciting part. So the, it's actually the people part where you actually see people who are so driven, so passionate about what it is that they do. For me, there's nothing more boring than hanging out with a person where that's not passionate about anything. Mm. I, don't get, I don't get any thrill whatsoever. And frankly, I don't care what you're passionate about. If you're passionate about fly fishing, great. If you're passionate about your art, great. What I don't understand is how people cannot be passionate about something and actually dedicate their life towards it rather than being bored. Yeah. Boredom is something, is a concept that's completely foreign to me. You don't want to leave anything on the table at the end of the day. We've only got a finite time on this earth, don't we? Yeah, yeah, and absolutely, 100% right. And then you see very often it's sad because uh, I've come across people who, 
we're bored in the early years when the, when you have all of the energy, uh, all of the life force inside of you. And then when they're 60, 70 years old, they start having yeah. deep regrets as to what they didn't do. Yeah, absolutely. I, if I can, I'd love to go back a, a little bit because you, you touched on something that made me think about the, com- the current situation that we are going through globally. And I thought about the word innovation. Now, what sort of innovation are you seeing at this time? That's a very interesting question. I, I think one in particular that I'm seeing is the rapid adoption of technology, much more, much faster than before COVID as yep. a result of not having a choice. Yeah. Right? So, and that's why I'm, I'm always an eternal optimist, but even more so now during COVID than before, because despite the problems that we're facing today, what COVID provides us is an unparalleled opportunity to finally do the right thing to actually go digital first so that once you come out on the other side we're going to have vastly improved efficiencies so what you're seeing for example concretely today are older people i'm not i'm not you know assuming the average entrepreneur is is younger but there's a lot of Mm -hmm. silverpreneurs silver entrepreneurs more and more of them thank god yeah but 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, who are now for the first time using tools like the one we're using, using Zoom, Google Meet, Microsoft Teams, etc. So as not to give any preference to anyone, <laughs> for the for the first time. And now, if the crisis had only lasted one or two months, we would have been just like a rubber band, jumped back into our old habits. But what we're actually doing now is we're fundamentally transforming who we are. We're rewiring our brains and we're completely changing our habits and getting on a brand new track of progression and of efficiency as a result of that. So as we come out of this crisis, which hopefully will happen sooner rather than later, yes, we will be a lot more efficient because I can't tell you, Rick, how many people I've worked with over the years, especially older entrepreneurs, who had never touched Zoom before, and they're now telling me, you know what? I realized that I don't have to fly from Los Angeles to New York to have a 10-minute meeting anymore. Oh, yeah. Right? So a lot more efficient, a lot more environmentally friendly. And I think, it, you know, as a result of now, again, having no choice creates new habits. Right? So let's assume you're like eating junk food. If that junk food is taken away from you from one day to another, you will lose that bad habit. And creating good habits and abandoning bad habits is one of the easiest way to make progress in life and to grow. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing this uh, wonderful insight, Dom. I, I often think about and hear stories of um, with the technological advancements due to, you know, I guess, force feeding of, of change um, that a lot of um, employees um, as well as business owners are now seeing the benefit from the environmental perspective instead of driving all the way, half an hour, hour through traffic to and from work every single day, they can do everything from home. It can, it, what sort of emerging, um, I guess, um, practices are you seeing? Similar? Number one, absolutely right. So, for example, I'll give you one concrete example. Uh, here at Unicorn, I have two, we're 30 people roughly from 18 different nationalities mm-hmm. and slightly more women than men. Uh, not by design, by pure chance. Nobody had to tell us this is how you need to behave, respect yep. diversity, etc. Yep. Which is something I don't believe in, right? We don't like being told what it, what it is 
that should be coming naturally anyway. Yep. But in our scenario, I have two right the wall behind me. I have two engineers from Panama uh, that have worked with me for years. One of them since 2005, and I used to have an office in Panama, and they used to commute between three and five hours to and from the office every single day wow. in Panama. And today, uh, again, we're in a small town where it's very nice to live and to work. They walk to the office for five to ten minutes to drop the kids up at school on the way to the office and to pick them up on the way home. It's beautiful, so, isn't it? Dramatic change, obviously, in lifestyle. Uh, you know, obviously, the performance at work you know, it's gone way, way up as well because yep. they're just not tired like they used to be. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to technologies to respond to your question, what we're seeing is the rapid fusion of three core technologies that today we still consider as separate, consisting of 5G, augmented reality and virtual reality, and AI, artificial intelligence. Yep. Those three are actually becoming one and are becoming a super technology. Uh, I'm a huge fan of augmented reality because it allows you to see the world in different ways. So, for example, uh, we incubate an AR company called XR Applied. Uh, The idea being that we use AR AR to extend and increase experiences, human experiences. A perfect example would be it's a test that we actually did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take show a little girl. For some reason, kids are fascinated by dinosaurs, right? As we all know. Uh, you show a little girl a book. <laughs> uh, probably even more so now where they are, but I'll explain to you why. You, sh- you show a little Amy a book with dinosaurs. She goes through, oh, wow, this is nice and nice and nice. Okay. And then you give her an augmented version of that book where you hold be it an iPad or a tablet or an iPhone next to it uh, with, with an app that augments that character. And now the Triceratops is jumping out of the book and says, oh, hi, Amy. Yeah, How are yeah. you today? Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit more about my story. So when you actually see the impact that that has and knowing that in our current school curriculum, Anywhere in the world, we have massive dropout rates, lack of oh, engagement yeah. For, yeah. for all sorts of reasons. All sorts of reasons, valid and not. Mm-hmm. But fact is, it's there. It is there. And now you have via technology, you can actually bring that engagement back at a much much higher level, accelerate the pace of learning. Right? Take something that is boring. You can have a boring teacher, augment him, and all of a sudden becomes interesting and funny. Clearly, kids are going to learn faster, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's some some immediate tangible benefits for some of these uh, burgeoning uh, technologies that are starting to have a very, very measurable impact today. Yeah, I I can see um, how that would be exciting. Just you explaining it in that manner made me feel excited about our children's future because at the end of the day, they're the next generation. They're the ones that we need to look after. And I'd like to be that fly in the wall in, you know, 20, 30, 40 years' time to see what's going on. Now, Dom... um, Cutting to the core of today's call, we're going to obviously look at business models and choosing the right one. I think it's important to start off and ask the question, can anyone with a business idea do a startup? Is it for Difficult question. I would say yes and no. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do I say yes? It's because I would say anyone with a bright idea who is willing, has what it takes to execute, unequivocally, yes. 
I would say no, because my experience shows that not everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur. And it all has to do with your resistance to failure and what your tolerance level for failure is. Because the problem is our brains have been hardwired to consider and look at failure as a bad thing. When in fact, it's a great thing as long as you graduate from it. So I'm going to try to explain this to you with some very concrete examples. Failures, if you control them, are stepping stones towards success. Yeah. A famous example would be Thomas Edison inventing the light bulb when he was asked, Mr. Edison, how come you succeeded where so many before you have failed, had a very simple answer. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I finally ran out of things that did not work. <laughs> yep. So basically what he was saying is that I had so many failures prior to succeeding that I finally ran out of things that could possibly fail. I had no choice but to succeed. So what you're actually reading, and that's why reading is so important, because reading, you know, you have this ability of sharing other people's experiences and not repeating their mistakes or learning from them. Yep. Right? Very rapidly by iteration. My perf- my per- in, my per- in my personal experience, going back to 1993, 1994, when I first moved to the U.S., I started a company where we were selling websites way before anybody knew what a website was. So it was like selling ice to Eskimos. <laughs> so I would call people. They would hang up on me directly. People, website, what is this? Oh, this internet thing is just a fad. It's here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, I heard it all. I still have notes from those times, by the way. But... <laughs> Most importantly, you're running a business, you need to measure what it is that you're doing so that you can actually improve upon what you're measuring. And I came up with the rule of 36 over 1. And what that means is that in order for me to sell a website 28 years ago, I needed to make 36 calls, which means 30 people, 35 people before said no, not interested, buzz off, (laughs) or whatever, before I got that one. Hence the rule of 3601. But again, if I hadn't gone through this pain process, if I hadn't gone through these failures and stepping stones, I would have never succeeded in making that sale. Yeah, it's that persistency, isn't it? It's that uh, stick with itness. You have to, you ha- see, again, it all depends when you say startup entrepreneur. If you're a solo entrepreneur and you don't have that mentality, if you're not willing to go through that pain and put up with it, not everybody's cut out to do it. Find someone who is. So I'm not saying you couldn't be an entrepreneur, but if that's the case, because in business, until you make a sale, nothing happens. Let's be clear. There is no revenue flow. There's no sustainability whatsoever, right? I'm not saying you, with your great idea, need to be that salesperson. But what you need to know is that you need to surround yourself with complementary assets, human assets that can actually fulfill that dream, fulfill that premise that you're setting your sights to. And this is where Unicorn comes into it. I wonder if I can ask a question about Unicorn uh, Incubator.com, Dom, because I'm looking at it and I see three things. I see Incubate, I see Accelerate, and I see Thrive. Uh, what? And that sort of led me to the question, what are the phases or the stages um, in startup? I wonder if you can briefly explain them. So for those of you who have video enabled, you can see the front of my business card. I love it. Right? Yep. Incubate, accelerate, thrive, as you mentioned. Crawl, walk, run underneath for each stage. Yep. 
those are roughly speaking the stages. Uh, the crawling stage, hence the term incubator, right? The way, where does the incubator come from? It comes from the hospital incubator when a premature baby is born and it doesn't have sustainability. It needs to be put into a device that actually nurtures it along until it becomes stronger to eventually live without the device. At the early stage is when startups are the weakest, the most fragile, and the most prone to failure. Yeah. What we want to do is we want to surround them with complementary skill sets that they don't necessarily have internally. That could be accounting, could be legal, could be marketing, sales, could be engineering, could be graphic design, or all of the above. So they come to us and say, look, we're good at this, and you have an ecosystem with complementary skill sets that we do not have. And then we figure out whether it makes sense, whether there is product market fit. I have a financial analyst that looks at just, you know, obviously the numbers as well, make sure they make sense. But the first question we ask ourselves at Unicorn, first and foremost, is assuming everything checks out and we marry, because that's basically what it boils down to, mm -hmm. uh, marry yeah. Unicorn with that startup, how quickly can we add value? Right. If the answer is, I don't see how I can add value, I'm just going to go back to the startup entrepreneur and say, look, unfortunately, I wish you the best, but this it's is not what work. we can, it's not going to work because I don't see how we can actually add value. When we can add value and everything else checks out, then it gets very, very easy and very interesting. Uh, and usually you have a deal done within a day or two because you just see the synergies, the startup entrepreneur sees the synergies, we see it, etc. But it brings us to a larger problem, which I think exists in this ecosystem, and that's kind of like the bridge to uh, angel investing. Again, mm -hmm. for the majority of my, of my life, I was a startup entrepreneur, but six, seven, eight years ago, I slowly morphed into an angel investor who then decided to create Unicorn, the incubator accelerator. And what I realized at that time, which is a problem and I'm still only scratching the surface on today, is a huge expectation gap between the startup entrepreneur looking to raise financing yeah, and the angel investor looking to provide that financing. And the easiest way to describe it is by saying that typically speaking, startup entrepreneurs broadcast on FM and investors listen to AM. AM. Right. So you have this expectation gap, which I experienced very early on in my career when I was pitching an investor for the first time in my life. And I was very excited, but his eyes started rolling over, and I, I realized I'm losing the guy. <laughs> and then he pauses, and then he turns around and asks me, so, Dom, what kind of financing are you raising? Are you doing a seed stage, a pre-seed? Are you doing a Series A? What are you doing? And I looked at him the same way he had just looked at me. I had no idea what yeah. he was talking about. Yeah. Right? Because the two worlds are so radically different in most cases. It's changed a little bit because of people like myself, and there's a lot of my, people like myself that have created startup enterprises, sold some of them off, and become angel investors. Thank God for those people because they actually understand what it feels like to be sitting on both sides of the table, right? Yeah. But it's because of those friction points that we actually created the incubator accelerator to make it a lot more seamless and to make it a lot easier for entrepreneurs to launch their business and know that they're not alone. Because by definition, if you have a great idea with tremendous potential impact, you have to abandon, quickly abandon the idea 
of staying alone. Yeah. If you're a lone wolf, for example, I couldn't even bring you in because we are looking for scalability on the market. And when you, by definition, when you scale, you need more people. You need to have a team who can actually do that. Yeah. And if you think you yourself can do it all, you're in for a rude awakening. Yeah, it's just to be very confronting um, very quickly. I'm very sure of that now. I used to be that guy. I used to think I could do it all. I'm doing it on my own. No, you're not. Exactly. (laughs) We talked about, you know, talented individuals. I've seen hundreds, literally hundreds of amazing uh, skill sets from across the globe and with technology and, and, uh, and how quickly it's expanding and becoming almost omnipresent in our worlds. Um, Where is the best place to start? A business, a startup, an incubation with somebody like you? Does it have to be in France or where is the best location, do you think? So we spend a lot of time, keep in mind, I spent 25 years in on the west coast of uh, in California, so where everybody believes is obviously that's the cradle, right? Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and uh, Silicon Beach now in, in Los Angeles. And number one, I believe you could have a serious impact with the right type of adventure anywhere, mm-hmm. including on the moon and soon on Mars, right? We call them moonshots for a reason because, you know, before it actually happened, Reach for the stars. nobody believed you could ever, yeah, could ever go over the moon. Now we're probably going to call them Mars shots and within the next 10, 15 years, we're going to be landing on a, a human mission on Mars and then we're going to call them maybe Pluto shots. <laughs> but so, you know, you basically, the bar gets, is being raised higher and higher as we actually achieve these things as, as, as humanity. The reason why we picked France in particular is because there is a burgeoning ecosystem that was created from scratch by the Macron administration, current French president, Mm -hmm. that said, look, we understand that we as a nation face a lot of challenges, that Europe as a continent faces a lot of challenges, and the world as a whole faces a lot of challenges. We are of the belief that central government has proven to be relatively inefficient in solving those issues, and that startup entrepreneurs have systematically been able to solve them. So to give a smaller parallel on a smaller scale, a uh, local mayor is a good friend of mine. And uh, before he was reelected recently, I was sitting down with him and said, look, can you give me a laundry list of the top 10 issues, problems that are facing the municipality? So he gave them to me. He had it ready. And I said, well, I just quickly scanned through the list. How do you intend on resolving those issues? And he goes, well, we'll have this group working on this, et cetera, et cetera. I said, okay, second question. How long have they been working on trying to solve that problem? Whew. He goes, well, for, this, for, for the road system, it's been 12 years. For picking up handicapped people, it's been six, seven years. I said, okay. For me, that's number one, that's a failure. Yeah. Right? They're yeah. just not recognizing it. You're just perpetuating a failure. Number yeah. two, out of the 12 items that you just showed me on this list, I know of eight startups that have solved them somewhere else right so you no guesswork okay the parking meters of people having to bend down and you know there's yep. too much light in their face and whatnot is one of them okay i can give you three startups that have solved that one picking up handicapped people automatically there's two startups in france that have solved it what i recommend is we bring them here yep we bring them into unicorn let them solve the problems of the municipality absolutely right so that going back to what makes france so it's attractive is that the government from the top down has put together a number of initiatives and incentives in drawing in the talent, including foreign talent, via something that's called a talent passport visa. 
So I have a number of engineers that are here at Unicorn that came through that procedure within two weeks from different parts of the world. Before, it used to take two years to actually go through the administration for the, for the bureaucracy. The then you have process. Absolutely. Then you have some very strong investor incentives that will allow an investor who in, invests into a French technology startup to actually obtain a visa, four-year visa for himself and his entire family, renewable upon expiration, and after year five, you can apply for French citizenship. That also did not exist before. And now you have a lot of synergies between, you know, the government also started a label called the French Tech. Yep which is more like a marketing label you may have heard of. You now have delegations all over the world pitching France as a destination where you can actually live and work because sometimes, myself included, we tend to forget to live because we work so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so the French obviously have a pretty good reputation when it comes to having a good, a good time <laughs> and a, a good life. <laughs> so... Being myself, being French and German, half French, half German, more on the German side than that side. So, not to say that I don't have a good time, but I have an amazing time just working. But oh, yeah. look, I understand that everybody's cut up to do what I do, but uh, you know, you can have a lot of fun doing other things as well. Absolutely, this has just been an incredible call, Dom. Now, I, now at the pointy end of it, I'd love to ask you that when we're going to have a lot of people on this call that are sort of sitting there wondering, well. What do I do next? I really want to reach out to Unicorn and see if they can help me. So what would be the process that they would need to follow? By all means, reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. Dom, D-O-M, Einhorn, E-I-N-H-O-R-N. By the way, Einhorn in German means Unicorn as well. Uh, Unicorn Incubator. It's Unicorn with a Q. Unicorninkubator.com is the website. Yep. My direct email is dom at unicorninkubator.com. And last but not least, for those of you who want to look for a great excuse to visit France, we are hosting the Startup Super Cup, October 1, 2, 3 of 2021, which is an amazing event that will bring together upwards of 800 angel investors, uh, between 100 and 150 startups competing uh, for a grand prize and multiple second-tier prizes, and all of the financial and startup media will be covering the show as well. That's wonderful. Now, um, if you're listening to this call and you've heard Dom talk about lone wolves and you have a business idea and you're just sitting there and you're passionate about this, this is what you want to do, don't do this alone. Reach out to Dom. I will be making sure that all of the links that you need to reach Dom and his wonderful team are available to you below this post. No matter where you see it, you are going to find Dom and Unicorn Incubator. And with all that being said, Dom, thank you so very much for spending some time with me on the My Future Business Show today. Thanks for having me, Rick. It was my pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.